Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm going to open today's podcast with quite a big, deep question. Do you feel like motherhood has changed you? And if so, in what way? Because I was chatting with you guys on Instagram this week and I realized, so last Tuesday, I just happened to pop to my local independent coffee shop and there was a mother's meetup going on. And the owner of the shop, who I know quite well, was basically like, oh, you need to come meet everyone. And I just went into panic mode. And it's weird because obviously I... I'm very confident. I mean, I'm used to with my job, just chatting with anyone and people from all walks of life. I've gone solo traveling and I just realized that I was so shy and I feared people judging me or kind of seeing beyond the facade of who I am online or whatever it might be. So I kind of like really awkwardly asked a few questions and then made excuses that I had to run away. And it was purely out of fear. And I chatted about it briefly to you guys, not the actual specifics of where I was and what I was, but I was like... Is, has motherhood made me shy or has lockdown made me shy or is it a bit of both but I don't recognize that part of myself and as somebody who feels quite self-assured and confident I found myself feeling really insecure and almost in that environment where I was totally out of my comfort zone second guessing myself or thinking that people will be thinking negatively about me so I ran away and it was frustrating because I've moved actually I think it was about this time last year that we moved house obviously to a new area and I keep saying to Tommy like I need to meet new people and I want to make new friends and that's not to say I want to be friends with anyone and anyone because I think you know as it gets older you, you really just want to hang out with like your tribe of people don't you but I'm never going to meet anyone if chronic shyness gets in the way so I thought today we could maybe have a little bit of a group therapy slash coaching session because I have got the most brilliant, brilliant guest. She is a mum of two to Claudia, who is 10, and Harry, who's eight. And she is also a global speaker, a coach, a mentor, and most importantly for me, an expert in helping people connect back to their soul. She's called Caroline Britton. She is described as a magic maker by the those who work with her. What a description. Uh, she works with sports professionals, CEOs, entrepreneurs, healers, working professional, parents, people in the public eye. And she speaks a lot about growth and believes that in order to grow, you don't need to be more of anything. So 
Caroline has her first book coming out mid-June called Coming Home to You, which is a guide to gently nudge you back to yourself, which let's be honest, as mums, we, we do struggle with identity. So Caroline, firstly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really, really excited. I can already sense that this is going to be a good healing session. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. What do you think, by the way, about what I just said? Is this something that you think is quite common or that you recognize from your own experience of entering motherhood? Or maybe is it just because of lockdown made us all completely socially awkward? (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe a bit of everything. But I think what's important to notice, I think now my children are older, eight and 10, I feel like I've got more perspective. And I feel like we have these moments in time when we've got children. And I think that you look back and you recognize that it takes different things from you at different points of your motherhood journey. So it's not like it's this like linear line motherhood and things are different at different times and you have different challenges. Now, for me personally, I experienced exactly the same thing. You asked me at the beginning, did motherhood change me? Absolutely. And I think it's changed me in many positive ways, but honestly, I think at the beginning, it caused me to massively disconnect from who I was. So I was this working professional in London with a good job, a busy social life, traveling, and I had my daughter. And my daughter's labor was about four days. It completely wow. like knocked me physically. I ended up having an episiotomy, like all of the like lovely things that come with it. And it was a real like what is going on? And she came into this world and it was such a gift, you know, those feelings of like complete awe of what you've created. But what was really interesting for me is certainly the first two or three years of having my children and I had them very close together, which we can, we can talk about as we move through the conversation. I just lost myself. So All of a sudden, it was all about the identity label as a mum. So it's like all people wanted to talk about. There was this expectation that by being mums, that was the social currency of what bonded you. But of course, there's so many layers to us beyond the mum identity. And then honestly, and I want to be completely open about this, I used to find it so difficult and depleting to be put in social environments with mums that I didn't know and to have quite superficial chat. I am somebody who loves depth. I don't really do superficial chat. And all of a sudden it was about how much sleep you're getting and what they're eating and weaning. And I remember just feeling honestly this deep frustration of, can't we talk about something beyond this? And I'm somebody who has been in the fortunate position where I have a lot of very good friends, friends from school, friends from university, friends from work. So I was getting those richness of conversations peppered throughout my life. But day to day, there was this feeling of like, there's got to be more than us just talking about being mums. And that for me was what made me shy away from getting in groups of mums. And to be honest, I still find it in the playground now. I really just, there's something for me that when we only have conversations defined by being mothers, it does something to me that just makes me deflate a little. I want to know, like, I love that we're mums, but I want to know, like, Ashley, who are you beyond being a mum? Yeah, we talk about our kids, but like, 
what do you believe in? What excites you? What's going on for you? Like there's this depth. And I think sometimes when we get disconnected from that depth, the social circle we're in, I struggled there. Do you know what? It's so interesting that you say this because I feel, I know, I I imagine as a coach, we're going to talk a little later about limiting beliefs and the belief system we have about ourselves. But I think I went from one extreme to another very, very Mm. quickly because I really, I always said my entire life, I never pictured my life with kids. So I was like, I'm not maternal. I don't like mums. A horrific thing to say, by the way, I cringe now and I've talked about that a lot, but (laughs) I don't like mums. Mums are boring. I'm a career woman as if you can't be both by the way, but this is all the really like subconscious sexist really opinions that we have because we never say that about dads and also Dads don't sit around and feel a need to connect with other dads. I know it's very different circumstances, but they talk about other things aside from just being dads. Whereas I've had since becoming a mum, even people not wanting to book me for DJ gigs anymore because I'm just a mum now. Mm. So even though I'm as talented and I'm as good at mixing and probably even better at late nights, not through (laughs) choice, you kind of get cast aside as a mum. But then especially when I moved house, I felt like I I needed sort of mum friends because my friends who weren't going through sleep deprivation and weren't, and didn't care if I'd, you know, my struggles with changing a nappy or whatever those really boring basic things are, I felt like I didn't have anyone really to connect with that I could talk about all the really boring things, but also mm. I felt like I didn't have anything to add to a conversation of depth mm. when I was in especially that first year of motherhood, maybe six to 12 months, because I felt like that was my whole life. And as much as I wanted more life, I didn't have it. Mm. But then I would go to things like, you know, baby swim, and I'd find myself being sucked into conversations that I really just, it it almost felt like competitive, or it would almost like drive me to feel anxious about things that I wasn't even worrying about. And it felt quite I don't know, gossipy for the sake of gossipy. And so, yeah, it's finding that balance, isn't it? So when you say I want to find mum friends, I guess it's the people that you would be friends with anyway, anyway, but also happen to be going through similar experiences of what you're going through. And it's terrifying. I think making friends as an adult is quite a terrifying prospect anyway, because you, you, especially I'm speaking very genuinely, but in my thirties, I'm not a people pleaser anymore. And I don't feel the need to have 10,000 friends just so that I feel popular. I, I know what I like and I know the people I like and it's trying to find them. It's quite hard, isn't it? It is. And I think that that's the gift that it gives you is you do have these moments of disconnection because it's hard to be connected to how you feel and how you want to live your life when you're having to prioritize somebody who's completely dependent on you. You're not sleeping. You're potentially having a bit of disconnect with your partner. There's your body. There's a lot of things that are going on. But then actually, I think what motherhood starts giving you after that is a whole other side that you see of yourself. I'd love to hear whether you've experienced that. But really this ferocity you find in yourself and then also this softness and vulnerability and it sort of cracks you wide open motherhood doesn't it it's like your heart completely expands and the love that you feel for your child and then if you go on to have another child there's that worry of well am I going to love that child as much and of course you do and what it reminds you is they're not there's not a finite source and supply of love 
that you get to give to one person. And I think it just opens you up to greater and greater depths within you. And our children do end up being our greatest teachers and not just what they're bringing to the table, but you know, what I've learned about being patient or being able to hold things that are very, very difficult when you're worried about your child and then still being able to live your life and hold space for other people. I mean, it takes you on this quite extraordinary journey, doesn't it, motherhood? Yeah, there's definitely nothing like it. And I definitely feel like I'm coming out the other side. Well, I'm well out of the other side and I'm, I'm finding a lot more joy in it. But... So I have to say, I, throughout lockdown and in my pregnancy, I trained to be a coach myself because I felt like I'd spent so many years kind of looking for answers. I really wanted to be happy and I felt like I wasn't happy and I was a people pleaser. Anyway, so I just, I looked for answers all around the world for so like for so long that I decided that I became really interested in it. I trained to be a coach and I felt really connected to myself in my pregnancy. I feel like I kind of figured out in my thirties what I liked, what made me tick, you know, whether that was traveling, hanging out with friends, putting on dinner parties and watching Netflix, learning that I'm quite an introvert. So as much as I'm kind of very sociable and outgoing, I, I need that time on my own to kind of feel recharged and replenished. And then quite quickly, I you know, had a boyfriend, went through lockdown as we all did, came out with a baby. And as much as I'm a lot happier now, you know, I've done this podcast throughout very dark thoughts and postnatal depression. And now I feel in a really good place. However, I've realized and probably, you know, talking back to those like feelings of chronic shyness, I still feel very disconnected to the person that I was or the things that made me happy because obviously I can't just go traveling anymore and I can't just reheal on my own anymore because time to yourself is I mean yes we can all make time but it's not the same as knowing that you've got an entire Sunday where you can sit on the sofa and not do very much and then you're back to it on the Monday Mm. so this is why I'm quite interested to speak to you because you're a coach you're a healer and I think a lot of mums or I know a lot of mums kind of feel this sort of disconnect and it's a word you said before so what can we do to kind of refine ourselves when we're in the hustle and the bustle of motherhood? I mean, there's so many things. The first thing I think is to acknowledge that we are entitled to feel what we want to feel. I think that's one of the biggest problems in the world is that people don't think it's okay to feel, to feel lonely, to feel sad, to feel frustrated, to feel angry. And I think a lot of those emotions come up when you're mothering and you're not sleeping and potentially your partner's out working and your whole life's changed and all of these feelings come up. And this is the first thing that is really, really important for anybody listening is in order to connect to yourself you have to allow yourself to feel what actually wants to be felt and I use this analogy of the way that we often treat ourselves is you should be happy you should be grateful like how dare you feel bad about it you're so and we just don't hold space for ourselves to actually communicate what we want to to ourselves so it's a bit like you sitting with a friend and saying, you know, I'm struggling a bit. And that friend's saying, be quiet. I'm not interested. Shh, shh. 
And yet that's what we do to ourselves. Like every time that voice wants to come up, you know, that bit of us that feels repressed or frustrated or angry or sad wants to come up and have a conversation with us, we block it and put it back in its box. So what I'm seeing is I'm seeing people come to me and they've got all of these things that are going on in their life, this disconnect. But actually, before we even start, I'm asking them, are you allowing yourself to actually express and feel what needs to be felt? And the answer is usually no. So that's the first thing. The next thing that I would say to anybody listening is, if you don't even know where to begin with what to give yourself, I would look at what you most feel you need from others. So when I had two very small children, I used to say to my husband, like, nobody listens to me. Everybody takes me for granted, you know, when I was having a strop. And now I look back and I'm like, but I wasn't listening to myself and I was taking myself for granted. So that's another excellent place is what are you seeking from others? And is there an opportunity to give that? to yourself now but say for example in the first year of motherhood yes let's say I felt like this baby is always around me it's on yeah. me to feed him because he wouldn't take a bottle it's everything's on me I miss my old life that surely there isn't a fix to that because at the end of the day I did know you know babies are dependent on yeah. us so how can you listen to yourself or make time for yourself or get sleep when there's like there's kind of no choice. I know that's a very small period of time, but what would there have been anything in that period of time that I could have actually done to help myself? So we're not looking to fix, we're looking to feel. So I, if we were working together, I would say to you, okay, what does that part of you that doesn't feel they can travel, doesn't feel it's got any space, what does it actually want to say? And could we spend a moment just listening to her? And you could do something like, get out a pen and paper and allow that part to write to you saying, I know I love my baby and I know that I'm so blessed, but oh my goodness, this is so hard and I'm so frustrated and it's so unfair and I'm so exhausted. And just to listen to that part of yourself and turn around and say, I see you, I feel you, I value you is so huge. I cannot tell you what that does to our energy system just to feel like we're listening to ourselves. So I would say that for anybody at the beginning is like, if that part of you is feeling all those things, wants to be expressed, let her speak to you, write to you and just tell her, I hear you, I see you, I feel you and I'm holding space for you. And this isn't going to last forever, but I know it's difficult. Because we often do that with ourselves rather than just letting it feel and process. We're like, well, how do I fix it? How do I fix it? We start by feeling it. Oh, I suppose we diminish it, don't we? I was even chatting with a mum friend who came to stay this weekend and, you know, she was telling me actually that she goes to therapy and it's really helping her. And she was like, I know, I know you're going to judge me because, you know, I have a really nice house and two healthy children and a nice husband and I still, yeah. I'm still, I'm not happy. And what's wrong with me? And and I, I say it as well, whenever I try to confide in a friend, for example, even if it is, I miss traveling, I miss DJing, you feel selfish because you're like, yeah. I know I've got a healthy child. And I know that I should be grateful and I know that life's really good compared to this, this or this or this. But why is it? Because I actually, I'm, I don't think I've ever heard Tommy make excuses for feeling the way he yeah. feels. He just feels it. Why is it, do you think, as women, we constantly kind of 
tell ourselves we should be lucky or we've got it better than other people. And you know what? That's how I open my book, Coming Home to You. I say you can be immensely grateful for what you have, but still feel disconnected. And it does not serve anybody to shame or guilt yourself that it's not okay to feel what you want to feel. So in terms of your question about the disparity potentially between us as women feeling that we need to make sure that we've got it all together. I think a massive part of societal expectations, you know, we're supposed to look a certain way, have it all together. We're literally fed images of our innate lack of enoughness, lack of worthiness from a very, very young age. And then of course it permeates into all parts of our subconscious, our conscious mind. And before we know it, the most important thing is to have it all together. And actually we are also fed with this dialogue these days of like, you have to be strong and you have to be tough or it means something. No, actually inherently as women and as feminine energy, we are absolutely brilliant at feeling and expressing and being. And why can't we celebrate all of us in that way? And I think that we live in a day and age now where there's people like you doing brilliant work where we're actually having amazing open conversations about how we actually feel. But there is still this undertone through these patriarchal constructs of it's all about what you think and not what you feel. It's all about logic and reason and having it together, not chaos, cyclical being, unraveling, like journeying with all parts of your being. It's like we've got it all wrong. So we're continually suppressing how we feel. And I think the power of us paving the way for our children and the generations to come by saying, well, as a woman, I can be everything. I can be a lion with this great fierceness. I can be strong and capable and anything's possible, but I can also feel deeply and express. And there is a wildness in motherhood that isn't okay because honestly, I think that society is scared when women are in their full power and this is part of it. So that's quite a deep response, but it's something that I feel is important to put it out there is let's start embracing all parts of us as women and not buy into the fact that it's only only okay to bring the masculine traits when this wildness and this kind of ability to feel and open is one of the greatest gifts that we can bring the world. It's funny, isn't it? Because we are kind of taught from such a young age to sort of dismiss femininity as weakness. It's like even, you know, it would be an insult of like crying like a girl or, you know, you kind of grow up seeing it as a compliment when a guy is like, you're not like the other girls or you're like, I'm not like the other girls. They're crazy. And look at me. And it's almost like if you act like more masculine and like, I don't care. God, feelings are girly. Look at look at yeah. how much I don't care. And actually you're right. Why, why is it that we're taught that? And it's no wonder that therefore, and also I think another thing is this sort of patriarchal vision of motherhood that we've been fed. Because if you look at all the films, like even looking at childbirth, like your waters break, whoopsie, a little gush on the floor. Yeah. And then you lie down and you push a little bit and the baby comes out. 
And then it's like all these really like rose tinted visions of what motherhood is, or if you choose to, if you're child free, it was like that sort of spinster, crazy cat lady. So there's this huge expectation that you become a mom and suddenly life is glorious and rosy. And, and obviously then you have all the feelings that everybody feels around identity struggles. And I take so much comfort in knowing that my mother-in-law, who is the most perfect maternal lady, she went through everything that I go through. So it almost made me feel like, wow, it's not just like our generation that are pathetic, or it's not just me because I told myself I wasn't maternal. Like it's normal to not enjoy all parts of motherhood or to find some of it boring or to just feel lost. Like even in the bits you enjoy to feel lost. And do you know what? I was having a conversation with my, it's my dad's 81st birthday yesterday uh-huh. and I had the, had the family round and I was talking to my mum about periods and there is a link here, bear with me. And my mum was saying, oh, periods, they're awful. And I was saying, well, actually... It's really fascinating when you realize as women how it works, how cyclical we are. And we have this four week, usually four week cycle. And then we have the first week where we're full of ideas and creativity. Then we have the second week where we're our most eloquent and charismatic. We have the third week, you know, the ones that our partners all look forward to where we're like little demons and we're kind of angry and all these things are coming out. And then we have the fourth week where we bleed and we're massively connected and and psychic and all of these amazing things happen great time to make decisions but it shows you the cyclical nature of women is our power yeah we have different powerful points at different parts of our cycle just like the moon just like the seasons like we are literally a representation of that so is motherhood It's exactly the same. We have different superpowers at different times. And when we go beyond what's expected of us or what we expect from ourselves, we realize like there's great power in the softening and the emotions and the deepening that happens when we have the baby and we're feeling everything that needs to be felt and we hold space for ourselves. There's another cycle that comes where we start getting our independence back or understanding how we're going to communicate with our children as they get older. And all of these things are gifts. So rather than having this expectation that we always have to feel great, what about if we have this understanding of what can I learn about myself and who I am from whatever I'm experiencing at the moment, because each of it has powers and lessons. And that is really magical when you approach it that way. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, a brand new podcast bringing together people's real ghost, extraterrestrial and paranormal stories, as well as getting some inside details from those who study the supernatural. I'll be listening through your paranormal stories every week and try to understand them, as well as chatting about my own encounters with an occasional paranormal investigator too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts from, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. Just search for Paranormal Activity with Yvette Fielding. One thing I think that we've kind of touched a little bit on, and I guess it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're saying about the expectations on mums, is I guess like the the different expectations between what it is to be a mum and what it is to be a dad. Because I think for me personally, and for lots of women, it kind of does create this resentment. You know, you can have the perfect relationship, whatever that means, and then you have a child and suddenly... I remember, you know, I went to see a dermatologist when I had this big horrible rash on my boob and when I was breastfeeding and Tommy picked Alf up out the pram and a woman ran over saying, oh, so nice to see your hands on dad. So lovely. What a great dad you are. And, you know, we hear all these things about daddy daycare and babysitting. And every time I leave the house, it's, oh, who's looking after the baby? Whereas, you know, Tommy's just been in LA for a whole week for work. And I was like, does anybody ask you who was looking after the baby? And he was like, no, why would they? And I was like, exactly, because it's the presumption that I'm looking after the baby. But everybody would ask me, they wouldn't just presume that the dad is, or if he is, they'd be like, wow, it's great that he does that. So... I know in your book, you kind of touch on resentment. And actually, I asked all my listeners to kind of get in touch with what they found hard. And so many people said uh, resentment. Amy said she is often accused of backseat parenting when her husband has the baby and she's trying to help. So, so, so many people talking about resentment. So, What are your thoughts around that from a sort of coaching perspective? Why do we feel resentment and how can we kind of get through it? I mean, we feel resentment because it's inherently unfair, isn't it? I mean, you are both parents together and yet there's some, again, we're coming back to these expectations of the way it gets to be. I do actually feel that that's something that was positive that's come out of lockdown is I'm seeing so many more dads at the school gates. I'm seeing so much more flexibility from employers, not all of them, but a lot of them in terms of more people working from home. So actually there's much more balance with the parents being able to share responsibilities, which I'm really, really pleased about. So we feel guilt and resentment because there is the expectation that you are the person who primarily has to have it all together and make sure everything happens. And I think that we've made a lot of 
great strides in many relationships where there's much more balance. I have great balance with my husband. It really is 50-50. But that's been something that we've had to consciously commit to. And we've certainly had our times as we find our boundaries with each other where I've had to put up a bit of a fight for it and and it doesn't always make for the most harmonious relationship but we've got there in the end so that guilt and resentment is inherently feeling like everybody else's needs come be before your own so it's the babies and then your husbands and then potentially you might stick a couple of other people and you're right at the bottom of the pile and we wonder why there's this part of us that feels like our needs are completely unmet so this is where with resentment and guilt and anger, I I think it's first of all really important to honor it. So I talk about this in my book as well. There's so many techniques that you can use, but actually like when you feel really pissed off is actually going into a room, getting a pillow and smacking it on the bed and getting it out of you or getting in the car and like roaring at a song, but actually letting that move through you so it doesn't become resentment and start blowing up all areas of your life. The next thing, and this is really important, is boundaries. So boundaries is a set of expectations that we consciously decide we want to have in place. So we can sometimes default to, it's just quicker for me to do it, or that's just the way it is. I actually want people to think about what are my needs and what are my non-negotiable boundaries. So it could be something like we completely share the household chores or actually when my baby comes off the boob and I'm doing this that we share nighttime shifts or it could be I absolutely get 15 minutes in the morning and I do this or it's actually we have a conversation about how I feel and where I feel there's a disparity between responsibilities there's many many ways that you can do it but before we do that we actually have to be clear about what we actually need and where the frustration is and what is it we actually are requiring to move past it. And then this is where we have to speak our truth. And women often don't want to do it. We get it all stuck in the throat chakra, like we won't let it come out. And then people don't know. So where is there an opportunity for you to actually speak your truth with the people around you? Ask for help, ask for support, say where it's not fair. But have it in the context to be really practical of what you feel a solution could be. Because what I see often with relationships is we get so, so wound up. And the way we communicate is to almost verbally dump on our partner, like, it's not forever. And then they immediately can become defensive because they feel like you're blaming them. And then all of a sudden you're at this complete impasse and it's just all just gone wrong. Actually, What's so much more powerful is to say, and this is what I've seen work brilliantly with clients, is first of all, when you've decided that you're fed up and you want things to change, give your partner a heads up that you want to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. I really want to have a conversation about this. Let me know when it's a good time because often we'll do it as soon as they walk in when we've been with the baby all that day. Let's give them a heads up. Then when you've agreed a time, you sit with them and say, okay, right, we're going to have a conversation about this. This is how I feel and this is what I feel I need. What do you think we can do together on this? And that honestly works miracles in terms of being able to communicate really consciously so that you can 
start addressing some of the things that are coming up. Wow, it's honestly, sometimes it's like really simple, obvious it's basic, things, isn't I it? Know, it but is. it's like when you were saying it, because you do build up, like, for example, how Tommy's been in LA this week for work. It's work, he didn't have a choice. And also he's now dealing with jet lag, but I'm finding it really hard to put Alfie to bed at the moment, just because he still goes to sleep on me and he's getting bigger and I'm just not comfortable for him. But he won't go in his cot, whereas if Tommy does it, it takes five minutes, 10 minutes. If I do it, it's an hour and a half. And it's a really stressful environment, especially last week when there was a heat wave and we're both really hot and bothered. Mm. So I was already like, I text Tom, like, you're doing every single night shift next week. But obviously, <laughs> if I'd have just said, we need to fuck, we need to have a chat about Alf and sleep, what can we do? And, you know, whatever that would be. It's a really obvious one that would probably solve a lot of problems <laughs> yeah it would and I think as well what I found hugely helpful it's like these basic things and we think why don't we think of these things is to actually be really practical about what you think would make a difference so for example I'm running a busy business my husband works full-time the kids are in numerous clubs and pickups at various times and we were spending every morning having this conversation of what time do I need to get Claudia Harry where and he'd be asking me and it's like oh like why do I have to know and have it all in my head and then I literally just got a timetable wrote Monday to Friday put the times in they have to be picked up stuck it on the fridge and said right it's there and then we don't have that conversation anymore it's literally on the fridge it's so simple but it's all these things that we can do to just try and limit the frustration of having the same conversations and also I say to Matt as well like can you take this now? Can you take that now? And we've, we've sort of found our groove with it, but it hasn't been easy. But those things around how we communicate and boundaries and me speaking my truth about what I need are massive because then he's got the opportunity to be able to step up to them. And I feel like I'm being true to myself. So I'm hopefully there will be something in that will help one of your listeners. Yeah, because I, I mean, I definitely feel it, that the resentment is less necessary as you get on in the parenting journey because obviously at the beginning there is so much more like I feel like a mother's life completely gets turned upside down and inside out whereas even if you're lucky enough to get let's say two weeks paternity leave then they're back at work so their life is suddenly quite normal again but we might have leaky boobs and stitches Mm. in our vaginas and all the other things that come with it from a physical and emotional and you know what we were saying earlier that suddenly you're you have nothing to talk about you're not going out and seeing your friends and going for lunches and it feels very relentless and I remember having a conversation with Tommy and by the way for those of you who haven't listened I did a podcast episode with him on Alf's first birthday where we talked about all these sort of emotions and what it was like to be new parents but I think because when Tommy and I met I've always been such an alpha female and I've never felt sort of like a 1950s sort of stereotype relationship but you know I was a career woman I was very alpha I never ever ever felt like I was a woman in that traditional sense of a relationship so suddenly when I had a child I was like we said it was going to be 50 50 this is not 50 50 and he was like but what do you want me to do do you want me to quit my job he was like because at the end of the day like I've used all my paternity leave and I'm trying Mm. my best to help you but then obviously it didn't really help that the Euros was on last summer. So suddenly I was I was at home and he was off at the football and I was like, this is so unfair. And you're right, we kind of, eventually we came to practical agreements like, okay, 
he can't breastfeed, but he can cook. Therefore, he'll do all the cooking or, you know, whatever it was. And it, it was all really simple stuff, but it was just kind of having those conversations and making him, even just for him to understand like, okay, he might not be able to fix it because yes, Alf does need my boobs and he can't do that. But it, for the understanding, do you know what I mean? Like, cause I understand, yeah. I understand why it, that must be really hard. And sometimes that's all you really need is someone to like, I understand it's a bit shit that when you go out, people are like, who's looking after the baby? Whereas I go out and people are like, oh, mate, just have another one. She'll look after him. And, you know, there is that total, like, different. And I love what you said there about not fixating totally on what they can't do, because there is a lot they can't do at the beginning, but what can they actually do? Like, there is always some way that we can get support. And I think that we've got to be careful, haven't we, that, we don't get into this martyr thing of, oh, I'll just do that. I'll just do that. And as a wider context as well, I think systemically, this is something that businesses need to be looking at is, and I, there are some businesses that are forward thinking, but actually, where is there an opportunity to be able to really represent to society the importance of a child having both the mother and father support? So I've got a friend, her husband's a partner in a big law firm, and he took three months off when the kids are three and five so that he could be with them and she could do more in her business is we want to be bringing in these opportunities where fathers can step up as a society we should be supporting that and not making it so difficult for us to have balance and our children are so much richer if they can have an opportunity which is not always a reality for everybody but an opportunity to have exposure to both different kinds of energies from a mother and a father or certainly a male and female role model i actually i meant to have a guest on soon that will be talking about the need for flexible working mm. and for businesses to realize that it's not childcare is not a female problem so yeah i'm really excited about that because it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had and luckily there are brilliant women out there fighting the fight for us so one thing i would love for you to expand on is mum guilt funny enough it's not something that i experience i don't know if it's because i'm an older mum or i'm quite self-assured but I oh I'm I, yeah I guess I'm quite like assured that everything I do is right for Alf even if it, that means it's sending him to childcare so that I can get mm. my work done but one of the overwhelming messages I got from people online so Pip says I'm feeling guilty asking friends and family for help with babysitting it's my own child I need a life of my own mum guilt struggling to love my baby for the first few weeks due to my own complications post-birth baby's now 18 months and I feel guilt and general sadness about what I went through yeah it's all guilt trying to find time for me but feeling guilty I know that this you know that sort of feeling of guilt is something that that you talk about yourself. Mm. So is there any sort of solutions or tips you can offer people that are just constantly feeling mum guilt? There's many layers to this. I think, first of all, that we have to trust that whatever experience we had was given to us for a reason. And rather than go back and berate ourselves for how we showed up, simply say I was doing my best and to treat ourselves with compassion. To imagine that it's a friend sitting in front of you and to really be honest about how you would speak to the friend. And why does it have to be different when you're speaking to yourself? So things like when you're in this perpetual cycle where you're going to guilt, to say, well, what's a more loving way I could see this? What's a more loving 
approach I could have in this moment? How could I see this differently? How could I see myself differently? So say you're in that loop of it's not right for me to ask for support, but my goodness, am I craving time? It's like, well, how could I see that differently? Okay, when I get support, I feel more full up, so I'm better to show up as my whole self. Or actually, people love to be able to help you when you ask them. Like, There's always ways that we can reframe it. And when we're in that perpetual loop, we sometimes forget that. So can you break that cycle by asking yourselves those questions? The next thing is, what I loved when you said about I don't really have mum guilt because I think there's this like self-assuredness. What it feels like for me is that you in many ways have an implicit trust in you being able to make the right decisions for you and your family. And that's something that we see a lot is that women don't think that they can trust themselves, but you can. You can trust that your way gets to work in the highest interest of your family and yourself. And you get to choose that as a belief, no matter what people are giving you. It's like, I get to know nobody else can tell me about what's right. So that's the next thing. The final thing I'll say, and there's many things I'd like to, but this is really important. We have to learn to love ourselves with a complete ferocity where we accept and love ourselves through the difficulties. Like, can I accept and love myself as a mother? Not just when I've been doing art and homework and being calm, but when I'm like, shout or lose my temper. It's like, is there an opportunity for us to say, do you know what? It's not about me being perfect. It's for me holding space in all the different things that I'm going to have triggered within me being a mother. And if you keep coming and saying, what is the most loving thing I can do in this moment for myself? It's such a game changer, that question, because in each moment, you'll start looking at things through a different lens. And that's what it's all about, to shift away from guilt to self-acceptance. I love the idea of pretending you are your friend and not yourself, because it's so true, because actually that's kind of what helped me when I was single. I was single for six years and I kind of went through this real downward spiral of, excuse my language, but just dating total assholes and fuckboys. And I, mm. I stopped almost believing that I deserved more because it happened so much. And it was putting myself in, what advice would I give to my friends right now? And um, it, you're, you're so right, because, you know, even in that time that I was single, I kind of wish that my my few friends that did have children had just rang me up and said, would you mind babysitting tonight? Or I'm absolutely knackered. Would you come around for two hours and mm. play with my child and let me sleep? And I would have loved that because I actually felt quite left out for quite a long period of time. And because I didn't understand all the emotions and complexities of what mums were going through, because I just saw the sort of rose tinted, happy family pictures, I would have loved to somebody to ring me up and be like, do you know what? Sorry to ask, like, do you, or I really, really could do with a nap. I'm exhausted. I can't think straight or I really need mm. to go to the gym or whatever it was. And I would have been there. And not only that, I, even though I didn't feel like I particularly liked children, I love my friends. So I would have like been there with bells on and I would have felt so happy that to be like trusted and to be wanted. But yet when you're in that situation, you don't want to bother people. And I had my friend Lila around on Thursday and she doesn't have children. And I was kept being like, oh, I'm so sorry. This is probably really boring for you. I'm so sorry. We've just got to do this for Alf. I'm so sorry. It's probably really boring for you. And she was like, actually, I would be doing nothing at home. It's so nice. And she was like, I love the hustle and bustle. And it's so nice for like to see Alf and to see this. And I was like, oh yeah, like I would have been the same. I need to get out of my head that it's all this like boring yeah. negative thing. And actually I, 
like she said, like she would, she felt like she loved getting to be a part of that for the day. And I love that. I think that's a, how do we break the cycle? We start asking ourselves different questions. So how can I view this differently? How could I choose to see this through a lens of more love for myself? What would I do now if I believed that I always made the right decisions about how I parent? Like those are really powerful questions that people can have and ask themselves in the moment. And if you want to break the cycle, we need to break the loop in our mind by asking ourselves powerful questions like that. And it it shifts things hugely. One question I actually got anonymously, but I think is a really good one, and it allows us to talk a bit about beliefs. This mum said she's struggling with her identity, but more so thinking that others are looking down on her because she's a stay-at-home mum. And funnily enough, my mum friend who I made in my area, who I got on so well with, she's a stay-at-home mum, and she was a career woman and a maths graduate. And she said she feels like, she can tell that her friends are sort of mm. like, oh, so that's kind of all you do now. What would you say to her, especially when it's her thinking others are looking down on her? Yeah, so I would suspect that her fear of judgment from others is actually her judgment of herself. So we always start with ourselves. So is there a part of you that judges yourself for staying at home? Is there a part of you that's making assumptions about what that means about you? Is there a part of you that is like berating yourself for having made that decision? We heal and come to a place of peace with how we have that relationship with ourselves, because the way that we perceive other people to be is just a mirror of what's going on for us. So, you know, we've all been in that situation where you might have like, Tommy's your partner, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So Tommy might come home and he might be really bothered about something that's happened or something that somebody said, or you've got a friend who's like, can you believe this happened? Or they said that. And you think, I actually don't think it sounds that bad, but it's because it's triggered something in them that they innately believe to be true. It's the same with mothering is like, this is an opportunity when something comes up like, ouch, or they looked at me that way, or they made that comment is like, but what is going on within me that is, is being triggered by that? Because if I didn't believe there was any truth in it, I wouldn't be bothered. So it's an opportunity to come back to self. Where am I judging myself? What are my views of this? And where can I make peace and be at ease with my decision? And you will start noticing that you're not triggered by those things that are going on with other people. You won't feel the need to to fix it or prove because there's an innate comfort with who you are and the decisions you've chosen to make. Yeah. It's that people pleasing element as well, I suppose, isn't it? Like I used to really, if somebody had an opinion of me or a judgment of me that I didn't feel like was true, I would really get like so defensive and be trying to like show people, but I'm not, that's not who I am. And you know, whether it would be like, you're selfish as an example. And I was like, but I'm not, I've done this and I do this and I do this. And now I'm a bit like, okay, that's okay if they think that because actually I know I'm not and I that's enough. Exactly. exactly. Uh, but it is hard, isn't it? Especially when someone gets you right in the trigger. <laughs> it is, and it is. And I think that, you know, this is not about being perfect, but I, I really think there's always an opportunity and it's to just say, where is it showing there's potentially a part of me that needs to be healed? And there's a brilliant exercise that you can do is you can ask yourself those four whys. So why am I bothered that they made that comment? Because who do they think they are? They're looking down on me. Why am I bothered they're looking down on me? Because they think they're better because they're working and I'm not. Why does it bother me? 
that they're working and I'm not. And then you usually about your fourth why get to the thing that sits beneath it. Then you go in there and you say, right, what do I need to look at? And magic happens. I just have so much respect for stay-at-home mums. I think people that do it are amazing because I feel like I, I don't have the patience for it, mm. which is also fine. But yeah, I, I can't imagine ever, ever looking down at a stay-at-home mum. I'm just like, you know, like my friend, I'm like, you're amazing. Like the yeah. patience that you have. And I mean, I feel like we really should be able to put motherhood on a CV because the less like the multitasking skills, I mean, more so than any other job, we do a lot, don't we? Like time management, multitasking, patience, coming yeah. up with like fun activities on the spot. Like it, it's more than any any job. And I've done a lot of very random jobs. You know, like if you can think it, I've probably done it. Chambermaiding, lifeguarding. Like there's been a lot of jobs, and this one has definitely been the most diverse and the most challenging <laughs> yeah so, i mean it's inc- it is incredible what we accomplish like how efficient we are i mean honestly the test of patience even to sit down and do you know homeschooling with my eight-year-old son or homework is like you know i'd much prefer to take a kind of massive business meeting or presenting <laughs> to a board of ceos any other day Caroline, before I let you go, and this is completely off topic to your work that you do, but as a mum of two, obviously Claudia's 10, Harry's eight, so there's a two-year age gap. Alf is now 18 months, and I, I keep asking people this on the podcast, but it's because I'm genuinely in two minds about, and by the way, I don't know if I can have another one, so I might never have another one, and that will be fine, but if it is down to choice, I just can't figure out if it's the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world to even contemplate having another one and Tommy's kind of in the same mind but obviously because I'm older and we don't know about what my fertility is and I I suffered a loss recently but I just can't I'm speaking to everyone I'm like is it would you recommend having another one speaking completely honestly and authentically and of course it doesn't mean you would I I understand that if I were to have another one I would love them with as much ferocity as Alf but will I put myself right back in that situation of all the really hard (laughs) parts of newborn yeah I think it's a you know it's a great question and obviously it's such an individual choice that only you and you will know on a gut feel and I think you've got great instincts so you can go there what I would say to you is now I'm through it I absolutely love having two children who well mine were close together like 20 months apart because of the relationship they have the dynamic of having that kind of four unit and it works really well but honestly at the beginning I found it really hard because for me the hardest part and it is so short-lived it doesn't feel like it when you're in it was when I had like a baby that I was breastfeeding and then another toddler was running around trying to do mental things and you're constantly like waking up with a baby or waking up with your toddler I found it hard that's when I started and then I was back with a corporate job as well that's when I started experiencing a lot of anxiety and panic attacks and it felt a lot so that was the hard bit being totally honest is I felt that it really took everything from me and it was full-on and also financially hard because of childcare. but when I got through that all of a sudden I felt around the age of like 
when Claudia was at school and Harry went into preschool three and five, oh, like then I just started feeling like I had more time and I felt like I had more physical space around me. And honestly, from there, it's got progressively like more and more amazing having two. So that's my very honest opinion of the negative and the positive side of it. Thank you. Oh, it's just so hard to know. I feel like my <laughs> my gut, my head and my heart, I don't know which is which. And normally I feel like I know what I want. And with this, I would love to hear from any of you guys, like maybe you you were a, a solo child or maybe you're raising one child or maybe you're, you're raising multiple children. Like, please let me know, honestly. I mean, I know that if somebody says, I, don't, I recommend it, I'll be like, I know it's not as simple as me being like... They recommend it. I'm in, <laughs> but it, I just think it's such a nice conversation to have because I never realized, I always thought like, oh, well, once you've had one, it, what's the difference? But it, it is different. And I think because it, I lost so much of myself and I'm kind of getting back there that is it going to flip my world upside down and spin me inside out all over again? Or will I be like, this is such a great I think thing that, I do think the second time I do remember thinking that you kind of you know what you're doing a bit more and you don't I felt everyone will be different but I felt like it I knew that everything was a phase so you know when they're not sleeping I'm like yeah but I know you get through that and then when I was up all the time you're like I know I get through that and then when you do the winning you're like I know I'll get through it so it definitely is different I felt the second time around because there's an innate confidence that it passed everything is a first at the moment so that takes a lot out of you yeah, that's a really good point. And I suppose it's knowing it, that, yeah, like you said, it comes to an end and also it might not be the be all and end all. I feel like for me personally, my first, I was like, I will do it this way. I need to do it this way because this is the right way. Whereas now, and like now I'm just a bit more chilled. I'm like, because you realize that actually, for example, you're not going to be talking about it in two years, three years. So all the things that feel really big at the time, whether that's breastfeeding or co-sleeping or whatever it is, it all ends. So then it then it's almost like just a distant memory. So maybe I won't be quite so caught up in it all because maybe also this is why I'm the neglected second child because my mum was probably by me like <laughs> just doesn't matter <laughs> put her over there <laughs> um oh thank you so much I'm I'm gonna keep asking guests this I think if um, they have more than one because I, I just love it to please please guys get in touch let me know how you came to the decision and all your like honest thoughts and feelings around it because I I, I just don't know how I just don't know how to trust my gut on this <laughs> Caroline, I know that we've been chatting for so long. So I think we've got some really good stuff though. So talking about the hard stuff, so saying how we feel and mm. thinking about if it triggers us, the whys, boundaries and what what are they, how we assert them and how we can fix resentment. So chatting to our partners, what else did we talk about? There's so much. Hopefully I feel like, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've had therapy <laughs> I'm still not sure how to tackle my shyness. How, yeah, how can, let's end on that. How can I tackle, how can I tackle my shyness from a coaching perspective? Let me just feel into you. I'm going to do a little bit of like magic -y stuff. Let me have a little feel into the shyness. I feel for you, if you just lock in that affirmation of I completely love and accept myself as I am, and you just keep reaffirming that to yourself before you go into any situations I think that's really really going to help and I think as well there is like this intentionality of I walk in that room 
I'm enough and I'm really open to be able to have rich conversations with the people who cross my path and I'm really open to the fact that I might make the most magical friendship in this place and rather than this expectation that you have to be a certain way it's like I am enough as I am and I'm just going to trust myself that that's going to attract the right people to me and I think that will be something that is going to be so so powerful for you and it's funny when we make these declarations and these intentions with ourselves in the universe you'll be amazed at the people that it brings into your path so have a little play with that and see what happens and then you'll have to tell us on your next episode you'll be like i've met the most amazing person and you know it will you will hold that vibration if you lock that in Oh, I love that. I feel like they're good affirmations I can tell myself as well before I walk into a room or a coffee meeting or whatever it might be that, yeah, I'm enough. That's okay. I like that. Caroline, thank you so, so much for your time. And for anyone that wants to follow Caroline, her Instagram is at Caroline Britain Coaching. And she's got so much good information there. Of course, your book coming out. So it's actually out. Amazingly, it came out just before my dad's birthday, which I felt like was a little universal gift. So it's out. It's on Amazon. And Barnes and Noble for people who are not in uh, the UK. It's all over the usual places and yeah, doing really well. So I'm really happy that's out there helping people. Oh, congratulations. And we'll put all the um, details below. And hopefully, I answered lots of your questions as well around mum guilt and identity and resentment. So thank you all for listening to Mums the Word, the parenting podcast. Make sure you hit, hit subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you do want to get in touch, obviously you can leave a voice note on whatsapp it's completely free so the number for that is 075 or you can email in at askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com and of course you can leave an apple review that's a really easy place to find comments as well and i'll be back with another episode same time same place next week thank you so much here's a cool fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.